welcome to the GOAT Zoom Room on a on a Tuesday evening-ish. And happy birthday to Caitlin Free, who is celebrating her 21st birthday or 22nd birthday or whatever it is. And today we finally have been able to nail down the most wanted podcast request. And it is Turner Carl Broberg. And Carl, thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, of all of the trainers, I think you're probably one of the most accessible when it comes to uh, people on Twitter. And I think that's what people like about you. I try, I try to keep it fun, be a little entertaining, and hopefully somewhat informative at times. And it's been, I've enjoyed it. So what... Obviously, you've been in the business for a bit. Um, 12 years. 12 years, 12 years as a right? trainer now. Yeah. How'd you get, what made you kind of decide that this is what you wanted to do? Oh, I wanted to do it my entire life from the time my dad was pulling me out of uh, school in fifth grade to go to Arlington Park. I wanted to find my way into horse racing. I just never could figure out how to do it. So uh, I, I once had a stab at being a groom, quickly realized that you're not going to be able to raise the family without completely changing the uh, lifestyle that they were used to. So gave up that part of the dream and uh, was eventually able to become an owner, got in a small partnership. And slowly built it from there. And the trainer that I had the bulk of my horses with was a, a former veterinarian and a longtime trainer by the name of John Locke. And we just figured out a way to uh, try to seamlessly transition it over. And uh, for, fortunately, it worked from the beginning. So, so, you know, usually we get people on here that, that discuss the way they start, and it's always the same thing. Uh, I grew up at the racetrack. My parents were trying to pull me away from it. I got into it, and it seems like that's the same way you did it as well. Yeah, general, you- generally speaking, I think that uh, most people are almost born into it for the most part, and those that get into it in any other manner are advised by anybody with sense to uh, choose a different career path. <laughs> yeah, I wish my I wish my my parents would have told me not to pursue this pursue <laughs> racing and uh, maybe have gotten a degree of some sort. <laughs> but you know what? I enjoy I enjoy racing, and uh, I think it's incredible. And there's always been great, great characters in the game. Um, And, you know, you're one of them. I don't know about great, but uh, maybe interesting at times. So, you know, a lot of trainers, a lot of trainers have their little outfits. Obviously, you have a huge outfit with uh, horses in Louisiana, Illinois, New York, uh, Remington. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, Iowa, tell me if I'm missing anything. 
uh, practice. Arkansas, we did okay at Oklahoma. We finished fourth in the standings this year. Now, um, at one point in time, a majority of the horses were with Eminem, right? Eminem um, M- 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 was yeah. They were they were a big client there for me for a, for a little bit. And then EZA, right? And Correct. Then Athletic. Yes, sir. Who who seemed to have like a majority of the horses with you? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that's been a self-fulfilling prophecy that I don't like. Um, that 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 ownership is myself, and to keep everyone gainfully employed, I've had to uh, to claim more and more of the horses myself. And uh, I, I think it probably scares some owners away. But then they generally they generally end up coming back because they were like, well, hell, it was tough enough to to beat you when we were together. If by chance there were two in a race, but now I always have to run against a couple of yours. You know, um, I had an interesting conversation with an owner of yours, and he's still one of your owners. I just don't remember his name, but when I see his name, I see, I, I know who I had a conversation with. And this was last year at Sam Houston Race Park. And he was so excited to have you as his trainer. I mean, I've never seen an owner so excited to have a trainer. You know, That's... and he goes, he goes, I'm, I'm going to win today. And I go, oh, okay. I'm like, who's your, who's your trainer? He goes, Carl Broberg. And I go, oh, I go, That's it, Christine. I go, Broberg usually wins. And he goes, yeah, this Philly hasn't done much, but he's really training well. And she goes out and she wins by five. And I see him after the race and he goes, I told you. And I go, I go, Broberg wins everything. He wins at a 25% clip. You can only be wrong three times out of four. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's never as good as it appears because all we do is dwell on the losses. I, I think it's the, what have you done for me lately? Kind of situation. 100%, 100% true. So I wanted to talk about a couple of things. One, um, and you could say yes, no, and you, you could move the subject, but are you going to race at Remington Park this year? That's number one. I could not be more excited than to answer that question with an affirmative. Yes, we will be. Awesome. Awesome. Pat. I know last year there were some issues, but it's good that you're back. Yeah, and then got to got to be careful what you say on Twitter. <laughs> and what do you even if it isn't jest? Because so much of what I put on there is self-deprecating, so it's tongue in cheek. But it was a it was a valuable lesson that I learned, and we'll move forward from it. What uh, you know the one the one thing that always kind of frustrates me when it comes to certain trainers um, or with the fans on Twitter and all that is when, you know, like right now it's Brad and, and Oh, Brad's Brad's got to be using something to be winning races at 25, 30%. And I know that at some point in time, they do it with you. Now me personally, I know exactly what you're doing. You're basically putting horses in the correct spots. I mean, it's not even like, it's not even like a, like you, you can't argue with 
you can't argue with people that don't understand it, but correct. No, literally, literally from the time I've caught wind of you, which was about five or six years ago, you've literally put horses where they can win races. If you're leading one up, if you're leading one up in a claiming race and you don't think there's a high likelihood that the horse could get haltered, you're in the wrong spot. That's just as simple as it is, but yes, it's, it's all about uh, the, the races. If, if you're doing everything right in the barn, if you're feeding right, if you're taking care of them right and, and figuring out problems, the races are one in the entry box. And um, you, you basically do have ways of, obviously you read a condition book. The one thing that I think is most impressive about you is you're also a gambler and you posted some of your picks that, that have been unbelievably crazy. Um, is that the only thing the only thing I'm lacking is the uh, encompass password from Linda Rice. But uh, other than that, yes, I've got a good idea where where horses should be going. So, in other words, if if you had the if you had the Linda Rice juice of being able to know where everybody's <laughs> entering, you would be you would be like at a hundred percent. That is not true. <laughs> and, and, and I say I say that in jest. It's not just because she blocked me on Twitter. Did she block you on Twitter? <laughs> she did. And the funny thing is, I had no idea she even had a Twitter account. And then the day that story broke, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's see if she weighed in to give her take. And I, I it said blocked, and I just started laughing. So my, I think I think. Horse racing needs a sense of humor when it comes to mornings, like workouts in the mornings and all that. And I thought one of the best things that kind of separated you from everyone else was your saddle cloth. And if anyone knows about Carl's saddle cloths at one time that are no longer um, no longer legal, is that a good way of putting it? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still allowed to utilize those in the morning. Um, we, we've gotten away from them. They, uh, they ran their course. They were also my silks for a while. If you're referring to the for sale. by Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, no, those were, it's going to be hard for me to outdo those silks. What, what, what did you decide? How did you decide for that? Or what was your thought process on that? Um, I wrongfully thought that if I had the stones to uh, actually put it on the silks along with my real number, that it would be a way to, uh, to get some clients to give me a call. Instead, all it did was get the occasional drunk player at Charlestown who was pissed off at me late, in the, late at night to tell me that I, I need to die because my four to five shot ran like a pig. So I think that kind of backfired a little bit. <laughs> oh, I, nah, it, it it was fun, and then the uh, the the Twitter the Twitter silks uh, the they they served their purpose as well. That that was a follow 
follow that was the follow-up uh, to the for sale by owner but neither yeah. of those would be approved by the jockey club so now i had to now i had to get a little bit more witty um, what is it now? You, what is it you, now, by chance? When you when you don't have silks or you're just using the silks supplied by the racetrack, they're co- called house silks. So yeah. I just put a I put a goat for greatest of all time inside of a house. So house silks for the greatest of all time, but uh, okay. it's much more it's much more subtle than the uh, previous attempts at humor. Cool. Well, you're in the right spot because this is the greatest. The, the reason why I made this podcast and the reason why Caitlin and I made this podcast was uh, a fun joke of making it the greatest of all time. So that's why we did the Goat Zoom Room. And there you go. The website The website is, is a phonetic spelling of goat. So people, it's easy for people to remember it. Yeah, right? it's it's one of those things. I want to like talk it. about a couple of. I want to talk about one of your one of my favorite horses you have right now. Uh, okay, you were. I think you ran third yesterday. It's a hunk of burning love. If I had any sense, I would have scratched him yesterday. It, it's the same story with him. Anytime he's on a muddy track. He just, he just goes through the motions. He doesn't get into the bit. He doesn't want to do it. And he's old enough now where he's like, screw it. You were dumb enough to put me out here. So this is what you're going to get. And if you just look at his wet track form, you would think that, okay, he's all right. But on a sloppy track or a wet fast, he's fine. Put him in a muddy track. He, he, does, he doesn't try. So that, that's he, unfortunately that's unfortunately what transpired yesterday. Do you, do you feel that that was that's more uh, along the lines of a smart horse just taking care of himself? Well, I mean, I don't even think he's taking care of himself because the horse is doing fine physically. It's just not what it's not what he likes. So he he's never run well on a muddy track. To the best of my knowledge, I know he sure hasn't for me. And I was so He's sad a, because yesterday when I was headed back out there in the afternoon, it was fast. And then the once the rain started, I'm like, hmm, here we go again. It is. It is. But he's he's, he's 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 caught a muddy track on all three of his outs there at Lone Star this May. That's not. You got to have a word with the. The racing, the, the racing, the racing gods are obviously irked with me. I don't know what you could have done. I mean, you feel, <laughs> you, the only thing, the only thing you do is you drive, you drive a lot of us handicappers crazy when it comes to trying to figure out which horse you're going to run and which horse is going to scrap um, before the race. So it's. Uh, it's quite interesting uh, it, when that happens. It, it's, it's good for you. It, it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> um, so you use a lot of a lot of riders, uh, so to speak. Um, and obviously you have your favorites. How much of that is is you you being the trainer and knowing the rider, or how much of it is maybe like oh. your assistants that are in the 
the assistants don't get the not. assistants don't get away in on that. They just get to uh, bitch to me after the race. Um, blame it on the jock, but uh, I mean, if you use if you use the right jockeys, which we try to do at every that we're at, they can ride damn near any horse. I mean, that's that's why you try to get the best jockeys. And jocks yeah. love riding for us because we don't give instructions. We just let them go out there and, and, and do their job without them having to think or, or second guess. Yeah. We, I had a conversation with a owner the other day and he's like, I cannot believe I let Corey Lannery do the opposite of what I told him to do. I should have known better. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what you get for telling Corey something. Corey's been around the business long enough that he's just not yeah, going to pay You don't need to <laughs> give Mr. Lannery any advice. He's going to do just fine. Just yeah, wish, him a safe, exactly. wish him a safe trip. And uh, when you go to critique a race with the jock, always wait until the next day after you've cooled down because jocks are so conditioned to having to make an excuse immediately after every race and tempers are flared. Don't talk to the jockey about the race until the following day. That's what the agents for. You can send them a, a silly text and, and I, wait. I honestly, I honestly started laughing. Um, I remember being a, an assistant way, way long ago in the nineties and we were at Pomona and we told the jock, hey, look, we don't want you, if this filly breaks badly, don't rush her. Because if you rush her, she's just going to take out the whole field because she doesn't, know how to, she doesn't know how to change leads into the turn here at Pomona. Right. And the jock broke bad and took out the field into the first Ooh. turn. And he comes back and he goes, Billy don't know how to change leads. And I said, I told you, I told you that. I told you. Um, live, live and learn. They want to find it out for themselves. But uh, uh, you, I'm blessed. Uh, I'm blessed and uh, I'm happy with the jock situation I have everywhere that I'm at. Um, so you got, you got um, David Cabrera at Lone Star, right? Um, yeah, I've got. Well, we're, we're mixing it up a little bit here. He's getting so much business that uh, half the time he's got one he'd rather ride uh, for another barn. So we're using, utilizing him, Ray Lou. Um, we won a few with Stuart Elliott this week. That was kind of fun. Um, Goncalves, Valdez. We, we go a little deep here at Lone Star just because uh, Cabrera has become such a hot commodity. Oh, wow. And I mean, you kind of got, you kind of helped you and uh, Frederico via. Sorry. I forgot his name. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Danny. Danny Caldwell. Please. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Danny Caldwell. And, and you were the two that gave David really a shot over at Oakland when he was, when he was there uh, about four years ago. Yeah, but uh, it it didn't take long for uh, for him to catch on with everybody. Is he is he one of those writers that? I mean, I, obviously you don't have to answer this, but is he one of those writers that 
just gets it. Like he 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 has the it. Oh, I mean, he's he's a he's a very talented jock, and I wish him nothing but continued success. Right, I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to critique him on a podcast <laughs> or make jokes about him not whipping left-handed or anything like that. Okay. Whoops! I will, I will, Damn it! I, I did it anyways. It's all right. I make. I make, I gave Lane uh, Leslie a hard time when he came on the podcast because he's always got to take his shirt off in at Sam Houston Race Park as he's walking through the or the walking through the the grandstands. Because right. he's just having, he just wants to show off his guns, but he doesn't realize that they're so white that they could blind somebody by accident. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just one of those deals. What, what, do you have any long term like aspirations as far as like goals that you want to set every year, or do you just go out and you our, just want to have fun? Our goal is. You there? Be complacent. Okay, let's... And I know how generic that sounds, but that's just the nature of it. What I don't allow myself to do, yes. Yeah, go back and and answer the question again. You broke up in between Uh that. So I heard complacent, and that was it. Okay. Sure, there's there. You always, you just aspire to be better. You, your goal is to try and, improve the quality of the stable year in and year out. And you just do the best you can with the cards that are dealt to you. Um, that's, that's all you can do. Um, as far as losing sleep, dreaming of this race or that race. No, that that's not something that, that we do. One of these days, hopefully it comes and we'll, we get better and better stock. And uh, in the meanwhile, we'll just continue to do the best we can with what we have. Do you ever feel that, do you ever feel that it's, you know, that it's kind of strange. I, I just consider you as a good trainer because you just know where to put your horses. But do you feel that sometimes people, owners especially, might think that you're just a climbing trainer? Oh, oh, he's great at claiming trainers. Almost, almost every trainer in the sport gets labeled in one manner or another. Um, generally, I think that's unfair, but that's just the nature of of any business. So I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't let that bother me. Um, our our numbers are pretty strong with everything that we that we do. So. Uh, I just don't allow myself to get uh, worked up over being piss- pissy because I'm labeled as a, a claiming trainer. I, and like, I just, I think anybody who wins at 25% in this game is just, is just good. Um, oh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're, you're what kind. We're you're, all, you're kind. We're 24% on our career. And we're batting twenty percent this year. I'm giving you. I'm giving you an extra. I, I like the 1%. way you're rounding up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So you're you're part of the Twitter. You're part of the Twitter sphere now. Uh, 
I got to know what made you decide that you wanted to be part of this crazy horse racing Twitter stuff. Um, an ill-conceived notion thinking that it was going to, uh, help grow the, uh, the client base because you... for the, for the most part, I'm not a social media fan at all. You, you, you're awesome at it. Uh, for somebody who's not a social media fan, you're pretty awesome at it. Um, well, I get I a kick out of half the stuff that happened, half of your tweets. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's so great. I'm like, yeah, he's a character. Um, I'm just trying to keep it fun. Do you do that at the stable as well? Oh, you have to do that in life. See, I mean, that. You, you've, you've always got to work to, uh, to, to lighten the mood. I mean, especially in a sport such as horse racing, where there's, I mean, there's disappointment on a daily basis. So you have to work to lighten the mood. So, so if I were to walk through your shed row, uh, would the grooms be playing their music on their iPods or whatever, or would um, there be music yeah, being blared on that? No, we're definitely we're definitely not blaring music. But uh, I've got a few grooms that are actually pretty good singers that uh, have a tendency to uh, help lighten the mood as well. Although I will sing? say, I will say, after listening to them, they should not quit their day job. Uh oh. <laughs> so basically basically they should still be grooms oh, i'm i'm blessed yes but i'm blessed <laughs> with the with the help that i've got how how so i i rarely ask this question but you know i've been in barns where um you know there have been like 40 horses in the stable in the barn and four horses to a groom uh, is that basically your your way of doing it too? Is four horses to a groom? Uh, six, six horses to a groom. Yep. Do which they all? Is, uh, uh, which is standard in this region? Now there there are other areas where it's not, but six is six is in the number that uh, it works out well for us. I uh, you would have been, I would I would have driven you crazy being a groom for you. <laughs> I used to drive my, I used to drive the barns I worked for crazy because it took me, I used to always have to get into the barn like an hour early just to make sure that I made, made the, the right decisions on when horses needed to be tacked up to go out to the barn, to, to go out to the racetrack, because it would take yeah. me forever to do it. Well, uh, we have a lot of teamwork that goes into making it all happen. I've got to ask the victory pose. Um, where was uh, that conceived from? Um, I did it once. Oh, I, I wish I could remember the first time I did it because I get asked that question sometimes. Um, and that's actually just a, a throwback to uh, you'd see the quarter horse guys do it occasionally. And I did it nice. just one time. I just I did one time just being funny and it seemed to irk so many people that I just was like just keep doing it. 
You there? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, did my, did I break up during the answer? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It it, it was done one time, uh, just uh, in homage in homage to the uh, quarter horse guys that'll do it from time to time. And it just irked so many people when I did it that I'm like, well, shit, I've got to do this all the time now. What it, man? I don't want to. I don't want to put you in a bad spot here because you mended fences with Remington Park. Um, give me a plus for each track that you train at or that you race at. Like, oh, I mean, you uh, you love every track for uh, each track, especially to uh, handicappers that have their favorite tracks. Sometimes you love it because of the turf course. Sometimes you love it because Delta Downs, for instance, there is no better surface that, that we train on year in, year out. It's just, you don't get, you don't, you do not get better than that, uh, than, than that surface. And you're able to take those horses anywhere and they and they continue to do well. I lo I love that place. Is it? I love the board. I'm sorry. What? Is it a deep? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a, it's a deep sandy surface, and they do an amazing job of taking care of it. And, and it's just such a safe surface, and you're able to ship from anywhere, and, and do well with them. And how often have you run into the gator? <laughs> We've uh, we see him out there all the times. Um, um, you, you asked me to do this on every track. Lone Star, obviously, it's near and dear to my heart because it's the closest one to my house where I'm able to be with the family as well all the time. Um, and I've been, in fact, when I first moved down here. In 1999, the reason I took the job um, was so I could uh, be at Lone Star. Nice. So. Nice. Obviously, Sam uh, Houston, the turf course is probably one of the best in the country. Um, yeah, it should be the best in the country. They never run on it. Well, they run on it. They just don't run on it enough for you. <laughs> I'm joking. That was just me seeing if I could get my stalls denied there. Um, they do an amazing job. And yes, that turf course is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm going to venture to guess Frank is probably going to give you extra stalls because of how often you run there. So, um, See, you're going to get me saying something that I shouldn't where one trainer was granted more stalls than everyone else last year. And I there was a whiny the trainer was and, <laughs> and there was a whiny trainer named me that that cried about it incessantly throughout the entire meet. Um, but uh, I, I love Texas racing. I, I, I love Louisiana racing. Oaklawn, I still get goosebumps when, when, when we go there. I mean, that's just that's probably my favorite track period. Um, there's just so much history there. Yeah, I, I, I've been there a few times. I absolutely love it. Um, when you go up to Prairie Meadows, it's absolutely astounding 
that that facility is now as old as it is. I mean, they are, they just keep such good care of the place. You would think that you're walking into a new facility. Oh, really? I've got, yeah. that's, that's on the, bu- that's on the bucket list along with Canterbury Downs. Or Canterbury, Canterbury Park. Park. Um, where you probably have horses enter today. Um, I don't so have before- anything running there today. Oh, that's why we get to do the interview today. Exactly. Go exactly. But so, uh, they 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 do such a great job of getting the fans out there at Canterbury. It, yeah, it's they, the how, they the do. way they're able to get them out. I wish they could educate them a little more where they could get their uh, their handle up. But nobody does a better job of getting fans out to a track than Canterbury Park. And, they got and to anybody that does, to anybody that listens to your podcast, but doesn't watch Canterbury at all, just listen to some of the race calls. Paul Allen. He, he does such an amazing job and he's, he's incredibly entertaining to listen to. And I feel bad because I can't think of his name, but. I, it's Paul Allen. There we go. And, and he, um, he's, the guy's hilarious. Do you know how he got to start, right? I actually don't. I, I know he's also, I know he does the Vikings games, but I don't know how he got to start uh, calling so, races. Paul, Paul Allen uh, used to be married to a very, very good friend of mine who was a writer, Christine Davenport. And he started at the Pasadena Star News as a handicapper. And one day he went up to Trevor and asked him if he could start reporting races up to put like uh, a package together to send tracks and right. Bay Meadows hired him. Oh, and that's awesome. Went, and Bay Meadows hired him. And then all of a sudden he was, he, he ends up at Canterbury park and is the voice of the Vikings and all this. So it's been, it's been a great, great ascension for him. Um, I still love the helium helium race call that he did. Right. Does, if yep. anybody sees it on YouTube. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's one of the best, he's one of the best race callers next to like Jason Beam and Chris Griffin and a couple of those guys. He's amazing. The highlight of my racing career was once, oh, I wish I could figure out what year it was because I'd love to be able to pull the audio on it. Even though I did an atrocious job. I once got to call a race at Remington Park, and that was such a big thrill to me. They, they had this little promo going on. It didn't last very long, but uh, they let fans call uh, t- two races two races a day. I don't know if they were – I think it was just once a week they did it, but uh, I had that honor. You should, you should call Frank Hoff and ask him if you could do the quarter horse. I realize how bad I am and I can't stand hearing my voice afterwards. So I'll go ahead and pass. I did work Don Stevens at Delta for a couple of years trying to call one. And uh, unfortunately that didn't fly, even though he was, he was definitely going to be a team player about it. He's a great, he's another guy. That's awesome. Okay, oh, so- there, there are very few that put as much work into their job that, uh, that he does. Just the, the analyzing the races, the working to keep it entertaining. I mean, he does 
he he worked it lo- it looks like it he works his ass off so usually uh as we're winding down here Caitlin goes and she asks some questions about you know track you'd like to run at and all that but seeing how you run everywhere that's really not anywhere fair. I can win exactly so yeah, that's why I'm me. not going to ask you and I'm not going to ask you what rider you're going to use because you use so many and I'm not going to ask you what horse you'd like to own at some point in time because well, that means you're going to ask some do. some worse question that's going to get me in trouble so let's hear it probably so let's hear it <laughs> all right so uh I thought of this this afternoon give me your give me your favorite twitter follow so people know who to follow oh man um golly I'm just gonna get Twitter. I, I don't know. Why. I don't know if I have. A, I don't know if I have a true favorite. Um, I don't scroll through it really the way I should to be able to answer this question. In fact, the one that I would actually suggest is somebody that has nothing to do with horse racing at all. It's some guy that just puts some some comedy up there. So that's definitely not going to give you the answer um, you're looking for. All righty. Uh, uh, that, was, that was worse than if you'd asked me uh, one of the other generic questions. Jeez, I thought you were going to say, like, Swift Hitter, Barshu Well, Here's what I'll say about Swift Hitter. If you want to put some peace and tranquility in your life for a day, just mute him for a day or two. You'll, you'll turn him back on because you'll want to get your fix. But your uh, your your feed will just look so much more pleasant, and and all of a sudden there's peace in the world again. The the running joke in one of our chats is, it's not a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday if Swift uh, hasn't quit on a racetrack. Oh, I he he's he's an interesting fellow. I did get to meet him in person oh, about a month ago at Lone Star seems like a nice guy and is he he's he's entertaining he is um, but, uh, okay what's what's the biggest thing person that has blocked you from twitter well apparently it's linda rice because I, I don't know who else has blocked me oh, really? i think Vic, i think Vic stoffer blocked me once what yeah i i i don't know that for a fact, but I believe so. And I'm, sure I, I'm sure I, I'm sure I'd said or did something stupid where I deserved it. What about Andy Serling? Um, no, I know. Even though he's he's brash and entertaining, I do know that to just from seeing what everybody else says that he gets a little sensitive if you say anything at all remotely disparaging. Yeah. So. Um, I got so Paula I don't. Duca. I don't think I've done it yet. I've got Apollo Duca blocked me, and there you uh, go. I got a nice big badge of honor for that one. <laughs> oh, I, I I like it, and very seldom will I block somebody. Um, I don't even block the. Tr- I, I trolling is fine as long as it's entertaining. It's the the stupid trolls occasionally that just come with something nonsensical that's that's dumb false and not funny that they'll they'll sometimes get blocked so 
my final question for you as we end this podcast what what horses do you have in this week that you feel other than all of them that you feel will win at a price you notice i didn't now, say win that at a price now first i will caution you on why i have to uh oh, wait, it's hard for me this. to answer this question yeah. Yes, yesterday when I gave out the cold superfected Prairie Meadows, cold superfect, I might add one, two, three, four. The horse then proceeded to get claimed where, where I was keen. So being a claiming trainer, all right, it's hard to tout much. So then you don't but have I'm to. A team, I'm a, I, I'm a I completely no because. Because I can understand why you wouldn't want to do that because then somebody might tag it. But but here's instead of doing that, I'll I'll we'll we'll get a little religious and I'll I'll do the Jesus approach here and teach teach you how to fish instead. What you have the most important thing there with the way everything has become digitized almost the only edge left in this sport and it's a lot of work is watching a ton of replays because there's only so many things you can quantify in a speed figure and i know they're looking and putting all that stuff in but it's amazing what you can still find day in day out if you do your work watching replays and then the next one and this is a boring one you you just can't play underlays. Don't do it. Pass the race. Pass the race, which off, means often you're going to leave me out because, generally speaking, our horses are uh, are bet more than what uh, their true chances are of winning. So there you go. There we go, folks. Now you get to do all of this research on it. Let me know as well, because um, I know I'll look at PPs and, and probably make little notes. It's been a pleasure having you on. I really hope we can have you on again and make this kind of a ritual. Let's, uh, let's do it again do in it. five years when I win my first meaningful race. How about, how about we just do it in five weeks or something like that? There you go. Thank <laughs> you very much, and you have a good one. You too. Appreciate Bye. it.